0: Go ahead and turn your Bibles to James chapter 5, if you could. James chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. And, you know, if you've been with us, then you know that we've been going through the book of James. Uh, It's been a long journey. This will make week 19. And we will have officially finished this book together as a church. And I can tell you, there's nothing that makes me happier than that. I, I just love the idea of us getting into God's Word and just walking through it together and see what God's got for us and how He speaks to us in the midst of where we are and what we're going through. And You know, we started by communicating that the book of James is one of the more practical books in the Bible where it's written directly to believers. It's written written directly to us in regards to how we act, regards to how we live out in this world. And it's very clear on where we do that work from. And that's been the title of this series being Working from Victory. That our position of work and the things that we do is not to gain victory, but we work and we do because there is victory. And that we don't, have, uh, we don't have to work and to earn this place of victory, but that God has laid that before us and that everything we do is from this place of victory. And there's a lot of confidence that comes from that. Amen. There is so much confidence that comes from knowing that I'm not working or fighting to gain victory, that I'm just resting in and walking in the victory that Christ has already obtained for me as a believer this morning. you know, last week we uh, kind of entered into this section that talked about and communicated a little bit about prayer and, and getting outside of ourselves. Uh, Garen shared with us and kind of walked us through our privilege that we have when we get to begin to pray and look outside of ourselves and understand that we do have needs and that we do have people around us that have needs and that we are being intentional about leaning into those spaces and being for those people what they need us to be. Well, this morning in uh, James chapter 5, we're going to be focused on the last two verses. And um, what's really awesome about this book and how this book ends is it's very different than how most of the other epistles or how most of the other letters end. Is that most other letters, they end with a final greeting or they end with a benediction or they end with some kind of tag on the end that kind of closes out the letter. It's very much like um, thankful for you. I'll see you soon. God bless. Be with you. Peace and mercy. All those things. It's very uniform in the way that it ends where this letter is, is a little different. This letter, the way it ends, it kind of ends on this idea. It kind of ends on this charge to the people almost saying to us that everything we've talked about up to this moment has been leading for us to this, to be these people doing this thing. You know, when we think back on the things that we've talked about, as far as taming our tongue, we've talked about our anxieties, our worries, and how we navigate the things of the future and how we we deal with those things, how we deal with suffering, how we deal with need, how we... uh, how we deal with uh, with with our, you know, the overall worldliness and the things that we're trying to deal with and make sense of, you know, all of those things I truly believe have led us to this moment this morning where James is very clear on what I believe is one of the greatest charges of the church. What he tells us this morning is, is, is kind of the, the, the epic thing that we kind of step into as Christians. The thing that sets Christians apart from anything else, the thing that makes what we do valuable to anyone else in the world. Otherwise, what we do and what we offer is nothing. And so this is what he begins to lay out for us this morning. And I want to read the text and kind of share my my thought that I want us to have from it. And then we'll get into what God has for us. So James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 you have your Bibles, you can turn there and read. If not, it'll be on the screen for us to read together. James chapter 5 verse 19 says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Church, if there's one idea that I want us to leave with this morning, it's this, and it'll be on the screen for you. This idea that an active faith is revealed in tangible grace, that an active faith is revealed in tangible grace. Let us pray this morning. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for all these things that you've laid before us over the last 19 weeks, God. That you've laid out a clear path for us as Christians, Lord, knowing that these things will not be perfected while we live on this earth. But, God, that they are things that we step into. They are part of our progression. They are part of our, of our sanctification, God, that, we, uh, that, we, that you've called us to step into and to work towards God. And I pray this morning that we would humble ourselves. God, to ultimately, Lord, get our eyes outside of ourselves. Lord, and be the people. Be this, this, this representation of tangible grace that you've called us to be. Father, Lord, speak to us through your text this morning. God, challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, I want us to really kind of lean into the text with this idea that our faith active and working from our lives should be a tangible representation of God's good grace for his people. You know, because the true evidence of faith is revealed when we cease to be the object of our affections, when we cease to be uh, the the object of our attention and our eyes get outside of ourselves. That's what we've been talking about the last even few weeks have been this idea of getting out from within ourselves and seeing how holy God is and what he does and what he, uh, how he functions in our life, but then also being intentional about looking into the lives of other people and how we play a role in that. And last week being prayer, you know, and, and, and knowing that God's grace is this interactive seen, felt, giving part of who God is. And it's also what he's calling us to and inviting us into is that being a part of who we are, that it is our giving, that it is our uh, tangible, seen, interactive uh, gift to the world around us and to each other. No, God has chosen to use us. And that's why he's saying that as at the end of this verse. And we'll talk about this a little bit. But God has chosen to use us as tangible instruments of his grace. He's, he's chosen to use us. He doesn't need to use us, but he chooses to use us to reveal his never-ending, never-failing grace for the people around us in our world. He's allowed us to wield this weapon against the enemy. He's allowed us to wield this weapon against the enemy to participate in the rescue of those around us to participate in that rescue. So so when we think about this idea, as we kind of lean into this this morning, uh, this idea of working for the wanderer, you know, working for the wanderer, what does that mean? What is he he doing? What is he piecing together here? And and there's a few things that we need to understand as we step into this text. You know, and so the first thing we need to know is is what have they wandered from? You know, and so verse 19 kind of begins to lay that out. You know, and when I say they, we can also apply that to us this morning, church, because you very well may be uh, in this space this morning, wondering, maybe feeling like you're lost. You know, the reason we sang that song this morning, Come Now Found, I love that verse in verse three when he says prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love that we as people that we are so prone to be to to wander off. You know, and, and so James lays out for us what exactly are they wandering from, and then we'll kind of uh, be a little more clear on what the word wander actually means, but what they are wandering from, he says, is the truth. And so what is the truth here? The truth here is communicated as the same idea, the same word used about the proclamation of the gospel. He says that they've wandered away from the truth, or the truth being the gospel or all the benefits that kind of are a part of the gospel and God's forgiving grace or Jesus you know, John uh, 17, 17 says, sanctify them in the truth. And he says that the truth, your word is truth. You know, and so word there is used a few different ways. The word is used to describe God's law. The word is used to describe uh, Jesus himself. And so when we're thinking about wandering from the truth, he's telling us that it is individuals within the church or may, uh, within, outside the church or even within the church who are wandering away from truth. Who are moving away from truth. And so what does it mean to wander? You know, the thing about wandering is is that it it may not, in most situations, is not intentional. Wandering is not always intentional. And so what this word wonder can actually be uh, described as, and and some of your versions may say it and use these words to describe it. But the word wander means to be led astray or to be deceived Or to roam. You know, and so the, this idea of being led astray or deceived, it can be a slow drift that happens over time. Or it could be a love of sin more than the things of God. You know, that we're being drawn to things. We're being drawn to something in our life uh, immediate or if it's just over time. You know, that happens in our life that draws us away from the truth, draws us away from Jesus, draws us away from the gospel, draws us away from God's goodness and the benefits that come with it. And honestly, I believe I I truly do believe that in a church community like we live in, this is where we find most people. I don't believe now there are some. And you'll interact with those type of people as you go throughout your day to day. But I do believe in in, in our community and some of the surrounding communities, because there are a lot of churches, it's a very kind of Christian-y culture around here, that most people fall into this category of people who have wondered over time, that it may not be this indignation or anger towards God, but it's more of an indifference towards God or towards a faith that just over time has happened. And at some point, they probably grew up in church, their parents brought them to church, or, 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 or your grandparents brought you to church, these different things, and you have experience with those things, and you know what, maybe some of those experiences not being good, some being good, uh, you know, everybody has experienced those things differently, and, and for all of us, in some way, shape, or form, our lives have had some type of religious influence in it. And so, you know, uh, most people, it's not this deliberate wandering you know, because in, in a reality, in a, in a sense of, of truly evaluating ourselves, you know, in, just like the song said, there's a lot of times in our life that we feel like we're a little lost, right? That we feel like we're wandering a little bit. You know, and it, it's in some moments in our life when we're trying to figure out our way that we're kind of, we're wandering a bit. You know, we we all kind of go through these 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 seasons in our life where we're trying to figure things out. Or maybe we're we're disappointed by something, or or we're facing some type of difficult times, or we're confused about what we're supposed to be doing or where we're at. You know, it's in these moments, in these mindsets that we we're wandering a bit. But it's in the midst of that wandering, it's in the midst of that searching when the deception can begin to happen. It's in the midst of us trying to figure out our place or our process, or what it looks like to step into what God has for us. It's in the midst of that that the enemy steps into our lives and begins to put deception before us, begins to lay things before us that begin to maybe quickly or slowly draw us away from the truth, as James would tell us. Slowly draw us away from the benefits of being in God's family and enjoying His blessings and enjoying His fellowship and enjoying His people's fellowship. And He begins drawing us away from that. And we know because earlier in James chapter 1, He told us where this comes from and that all of us are embedded with these desires that if tempted correctly, tempted the right way by the enemy can draw us away. In James chapter 1, 14, he says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. So within us, we have desires for things. You know, and I think there's a lot of different desires that a lot of us have on different levels, but ultimately the majority of us have the same type of desires in our life. We want stability. We want confidence. We want to feel purpose. We want to feel worth. We want to feel value. We want to feel like we matter in this world. And so it's in the midst of those desires that the enemy begins to lay these things out before us that either quickly or slowly draw us away from the truth within those very promises that God wants to reveal to us. You know, and so if if we kind of take a step in and maybe even evaluate For ourselves, and as we know James is speaking to Christians here, what can cause a Christian to wonder? What can cause a Christian to slowly wonder, move away from the truths that God's laid before us? You know, and you you probably know some of those people, maybe you this morning are are that person that you're just you're feeling like you're 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 distant from God, not sure where to go, not sure how to get a hold of maybe what we're talking about or even where your place is in the midst of it. And, you know, in your mind, the things that that give you the value that you are searching for, you know, those things that you keep having to pull from that that never offer much satisfaction, maybe momentary satisfaction, but not lasting satisfaction. But you still keep drawing from those things, to feel those boys, to feel those desires. And so for us as Christians, where where does that begin to happen? And like I said, maybe that's within within ourselves this morning, within you this morning, that that you feel that, or maybe that is someone outside. You know, I don't always like us to go straight to someone else. I'll always like us to evaluate ourselves before we go beyond anywhere else, not to judge anyone, but just to, to have those people in our minds. You know, and so how do we get there? Well, Proverbs 19:27 says this. It says if we cease to hear instruction, my son, he says cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of wisdom. He says if you'll stop hearing the instruction that I'm giving. If you'll stop hearing the very words of knowledge and wisdom that God is giving to us, he says then you will stray. You know, and, and the way that we do that is through, through these outlets, through God's word, through the preaching of God's word, or through the teaching in small groups, those different types of things. So he says, one of the ways that we begin to wonder is if we stop hearing, we stop listening to what he's trying to tell us. You know, and, and for me personally, I think that's when we, I and, know and there have been times in my life, when we've, I've shut off maybe the communication between me and God. I've stopped praying. I've stopped seeking Him. I've stopped thinking about Him. And I believe in a lot of ways that's this same idea. That that's ceasing to hear instruction when we cease to communicate with God. Then uh, Paul tells uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy, he says this, 1 Timothy 16, he says, For the love of money is the root of all uh, all kinds of evils. He says, It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs and so not only it to stop hearing but to start chasing something else and you know this idea of money we talked about it when we went through uh, the text a few weeks ago about what we have and the things we have and our goods and that type of thing to, to have money is not wrong but it was, it's this idea of this pursuit where it becomes the god in our life and so in reality you could take a lot of different things and put it right there and it would still apply you know for the love for here it says uh, for the love of money but it could be uh, for the love of comfort or it could be for the love of my favorite sports team or it could be for the even for the love of my kids or for the love of my wife, if those things become the pinnacle of my life, above God, those things can cause us to wonder because none of those things, as much as we love the things that we do and as great as the things that we do are and the things our kids are involved in and and our families, as great as all those things are, those things are not strong enough foundations to build our spiritual lives off of. To keep us grounded in the Lord. Only God himself can do that. And so he tells us. He says, for the love of is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away. And so he tells us there are things that we are holding on to. That we are chasing. That are causing us to wander away. And not only to wander away. But it says to to get pierced on many pangs. Or many difficult things. Then in Hebrews two. Verse 1, he says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Again, this idea of paying attention, being leaning into God, he says this idea of leaning into God will keep us from slowly drifting away from who God is and what God is doing and trying to do with us in our life and the truth and the benefits of the gospel. And so then he continues on in verse 19 and even kind of in verse 20, he tells us, well, well uh, you know, if, if we're working for the wonder and this is uh, what they're wondering from and this is what wondering is, well, who is supposed to be uh, seeking after the wonder? Who, who is supposed to be uh, facilitating this work? And he makes it very clear here in verse 19 and verse 20, he says, my brother's. He's communicating to a group of people and he says, my brothers, he's beginning to give them the charge, begin to give them the the command. But then he also says, so maybe we think to ourselves, well, maybe he's talking to like the the elders or maybe he's talking to like the religious leaders. So he says, my brother, you know, uh, kind of given really focused on them. But then he says later on, he says in verse 20, whoever brings back. That's a lot more general of a statement. Ultimately, my brothers, meaning men and women of the church is what he's communicating. But then he says, whoever brings back. You know, a lot of us, we think to ourselves because of our weakness, because of our struggle, that I have no place to step into that type of work. right? I mean, who am I to ever step into somebody's life and to say, hey, look, there are some things that I see you walking through and walking into that I believe are drawing you away from the goodness of God and and enjoying the benefits of his grace. But a lot of us, we would say, I would never have that conversation. I would never say that because I'm messed up. I don't have all the answers. I don't really even know why they should or shouldn't do what they're doing. But I love, as James is communicating this, he says, listen, I don't care what you think you have figured out or the accolades that you think qualify you to step into this type of work. But he says, whoever, almost like this desperate cry of like, look, we just need people out there Looking for people, searching for people, leaning into people's lives, showing that concern, having our eyes outside of ourselves enough to realize that even though I am broken, there are other people that are broken. And if there's anything within me that'll step alongside somebody and say, hey, look, you have some things going on and I get it and I'm here and I want to walk with you through this. He's invited us, given this general invitation of participation. And he says, whoever brings back, not the most intelligent that brings back, or the most religious, or the most theologically sound. These aren't elite Christians that he's inviting. I only want the best to come and go after the wanderers. That's not what he says. He says, whoever will bring them back. He says, it's not the elder's job. It's not the deacon's job. It's not the the, the pastor's job. He says, whoever will bring them back. God uses human instruments to accomplish divine tasks. And he doesn't need us to do that. But at times, he chooses us to do that. You know, in each and every one of us, I truly believe that if we would really just think into our mind, we would know those people in our lives that are close to our influence. That all it would take is maybe an awkward conversation, right? It's awkward. We're not going to deny that. Having an awkward conversation about our faith, maybe even in something that you just you haven't even yourself fully grasped the whole of. But just being able to lean into somebody, you know, and, and we say somebody, maybe that somebody is your spouse. Maybe that somebody is your child, your best friend, your coworker. He puts us in situations to use us. More often than not, he wants to use us. Does he need us? No, he absolutely doesn't need us because he's a sovereign God who's the creator of the universe. He can do whatever he wants, but he chooses to use us. I mean, he told in the book of Acts, he told them, he said, even though Jesus's death was prophesied and was going to happen anyway, his blood is on your hands. We still have a responsibility to step into the work that God's called us to. 2 Corinthians 5.18 It says all this is from God who through Christ reconciled himself or brought himself to us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He has made us all ministers. Men, women, kids. He's made us ministers of, 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 of a specific task of reconciliation or bringing people back to the fold of God. That's what he's called us to, each and every one of us. To step into that work. Galatians 6.1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. It says, if anyone is called in any transgression, to step into that. First Corinthians 3.9, it says, For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers. And those people outside of us, he says, "He says you are God's field. You are God's building. You are the one meant for the attention. You are the one meant for the upkeep. You are the one meant for my passions. You are the one meant for my time. He says, for you are God's field and God's building. He says, and we are God's fellow workers. As Christians, we are God's fellow workers. And so in verse 20, he continues on and he begins to tell us how we work for those wanderers, how how we work in the midst of, of our lives for those people. And he says to bring back a sinner from his wandering. To bring back. So that's the charge for the people, for the fellow workers of God. He says to bring back these wanderers. And so, you know, just some things that, that, that God was just challenging me with, you know, this idea of bringing back is kind of uh, kind of this this action of conversion, you know, and it's not salvation. That's not what we're talking about. There's not any saving per se, eternal saving that we do. But there is a participation that we do to bring back or to convert people. And this idea of conversion simply means turning around, grabbing the reins and leading back, almost like a horse that's wandered out into a field. It says that that it's the same way that you, you, you grab the reins and you begin to lead them back. And this is not salvation at our hands, but an intentional establishment towards the truth, pointing back from lesser things to greater things of God, the power of salvation, the, uh, the, the power of confidence, the power of courage, all those things that, that God's good grace and mercy offer to us. He says, pointing back to those. And there's two things that I believe that, if, that we have to do as those seeking after the wanderers in our life or those around us. to, to accomplish this idea of bringing back a sinner. And he says, the first thing that I believe we have to do is that it requires us to get involved, right? To bring someone back, you have to be where they are. You have to engage them. You have to interact with them. You know, this isn't a distant thing that you do. We can't bring someone back from a distance. We bring someone back from being shoulder to shoulder with them. We bring someone back by being in the place that they are. It doesn't mean that we're doing the things that they're doing, but it means that we're investing in their lives in a way where we're uh, we're accessible. We're investing in their life in a way where we're present where they are so that we are actively participating in bringing them back. You know, I truly, I truly believe with all my heart in prayer. I believe with all my, there are people that I pray for uh, in my life, in my personal life, in my family, that I pray, God, lead them to you. God, please use something in their lives. Lead them to you. But I also recognize, and probably in ways where I fall short, that what they need in combination with my prayers is they need me constantly investing and constantly tugging at the reins. Hey, Come come to this. Let me show you what I've got. Let me show you what God's got for you. You know, And a lot of times we push back on that because we look into their lives and the sin that they're participating in. And we find a lot of reasons to pull back. We find a lot of reasons to say, well, I don't want to go there. I don't want to uh, interact with that person. Or I don't want to be uh, in, in their circle or be associated with them, whether it's through some type of disappointment or hurt or just looking in their life and say, well, I don't agree with the things they, uh, they believe or what they're doing. And so they, I'm, I'm not going to step into that. But the beautiful thing, like C.S. Lewis says, is this. He says that to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. He has called us to forgiveness. He's called us to see beyond the very the very sin that is maybe present on the outside, what we're seeing, because ultimately, like we've talked about time and time and time again, every single person is created in the image of God, whether they're Christian, whether they're Muslim, whether they're Hindu, whether they're gay, whether they're straight, all are made in the image of God. And they all deserve our attention. They all deserve our time. They all deserve us leaning into who they are. To see the things that they're struggling with. To see the way that they're trying to navigate life. And to lean in to say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to help you figure out what you're trying to figure out. I want to point you to the God that has leaned into my life. That I'm not perfect. That I don't have it all figured out. That I'm still trying to navigate this messed up, broken life. And I don't want you to do it on your own as much as I don't want to do it on my own. So let's figure this out together. God has called us to be grabbing the reins of those around us that desperately need our help. And it requires us to be there. The second thing it requires of us, church, is that it requires us to not give up. It requires us to not give up on those people. You know, there's a balance between patience and urgency. I truly believe that. There is urgency to it, but there's also an element of patience. In leading those people back, because if we think about it, we kind of flesh out the illustration, you know, the wanderer, the wanderer is is going to be, if we think about it like an animal or a child or somebody physically who's wandered away from home, then they're going to be far from where they need to be. And so not only is it about us getting to where they are, but it's about us making that journey back with them. And listen, for some people, that journey may be quick. For some people, that journey may be an immediate transformation where everything changes and everything's perfect and they don't do anything wrong. Praise God for those times. But you know what? Most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, they need us to walk alongside them patiently. Be patient with their mistakes. Be patient with the sin that they may continue to participate in. Continue to lean into their life and to tug at the reins ever so slightly, walking back to where they need to be with them. you know because in Matthew 18 he gives us a perfect example of of, of how we uh, you know as the church universal has kind of adopted as the idea for uh, church discipline but ultimately what this is about this is about conflict resolution and being patient with people and stepping into their sin and helping lead them back home Matthew 18 verse 15 through 17 he tells ta- he says this he says if your brother sins against you go and tell him his faults between you and him alone if he listens to you you have gained your brother But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell... tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen, even the church let him be uh, to you as the Gentile or the tax collector. So you see this process laid out, and this, you know, we read it as words, one right after the other, but I believe this is a pretty hefty process, a pretty long uh, extended process with a lot of, uh, of, of of people involved, a lot of time involved, where they're leaning into someone's life and says, hey, someone has sinned against me, and the first thing that we have to understand is he says, uh, you know, he says, if your brother sins against you, when we're making, when we're leaning into the wanderer's life, when we're working in the wanderer's life, the first thing that we have to understand is that conversation happens within the context of an existing relationship. That's very important that we understand that. When we lean into the the wanderer's life, whether that's us or somebody outside of us, when we lean into that life and and try to, to tug at the reins to pull them back, it says first that that happens within a relationship. You know, Joe Blow in the back of the church can't go to whoever at the front of the church and tell them that they're a dirty right and center and they've never talked to him, had a conversation with him. That person doesn't know who they are. If they even care about who they are, all they hear is what they shouldn't be doing. There's no context of relationship. There's no context of true care. This is just, I don't agree with what you're doing and what you're doing is wrong, so just stop doing it. That is not what he's telling us to do. He says that this happens within the context of a relationship. If your brother sins against you, this is what you do. And then he continues on and he says that if, uh, if, if, he, if, you don't, uh, if he's not convinced and he doesn't listen, then you bring two or three. Because what this does is it helps. It not only helps the person help them understand that there are more people that care about you, but it also helps the person understand that, hey, this just isn't on me. And you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Let's get two or three witnesses and let's, let's, let's flesh this out. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm not, then you can understand we're all here for you. You know, so there's this process that takes time. And there's this this process that comes from this context of a relationship. It's a slow movement. And it's, it's meant that its end goal isn't to be right. You know, Our end goal in the midst of, of bringing back the wonder isn't to be right, it isn't to say, oh, well, well the Jake's opinion or Jake's outlook was the right way. And so that's you know good for me. That's not what it's about. It's not about being right. He tells us in that verse, it's about winning a brother, gaining a brother, building that relationship where they know that you're not on your own. You're in the family of God. And we're in this together. You know, I um as so I was thinking and- Uh, about this. And I was, we were watching TV the other day and um, something came up and I was looking and, you know, just kind of watching it and just kind of intrigued me uh, that, you know, in in the NFL specifically, we'll just kind of focus in on there. In the NFL, they have a lot of different jobs. I mean, if you look, there's tons of people on the sidelines. Um, Most of the time, I don't really know what most of them are doing. They just kind of look like they're standing there or maybe they give them a towel and they just kind of whip it around like they're just kind of like the sideline pep squad. I I don't really know what most of them are about, but there is one specific job that they have assigned that they pay pretty decently to certain coaches on the sidelines to do this one specific job. And this specific job is called the get back coach. I don't know if you've ever heard of this or seen this before. Maybe you've noticed it on if you've watched football and you've that's, you know, that guy's helping out. But the thing is, is that there's this coach and his very specific job, and we have the first picture I'll kind of show you just so you can have an idea of it this morning, is that his job is to watch the coaches. okay. His job is to watch the coaches. And if that coach begins to run out on the field, which can be a penalty if they don't listen, his job is to grab a hold of him and pull him back. And hence the get back coach. This is his job. This is all he gets paid to do. Is Stand behind the coach annoyingly Wait for him to walk out too far, and he grabs him and pulls him back as fast as he can. You know, there's another picture right after this, and you can see just how intently these, I mean, like he's just staring at his back, like literally not doing anything but watching. This is what he gets paid to do week after week after week, is to watch this coach, and several teams have this, watch this coach, and if he begins to wander out too far, begins to wander out into the field, potentially get a penalty, get a warning, maybe get run over by one of the players. His job is to watch him, and as he moves out of the boundaries, pull him back in. Church, for us, we have got to be intentionally and intently looking after one another, playing this role of get back, coach, for each other understanding that you know what, there are going to be so many things in our life that we're just super passionate about. These coaches are super passionate about what they're doing. And that's why they end up where they're at. They don't want to be out in the field. They're just passionate. And they're yelling and they're coaching and they're running. They're instructing, doing all these things. And they forget where they are. They forget where the boundaries are. They just wander out into the space. And so they have to have these people that kind of tug them back in. And so, listen, there are people, there are a lot of things that we're doing that we're passionate about, that we're super excited about, that are just so important to us, that are okay for us to be passionate about and are okay for us to just make a big part of our lives. But there may be those times when our passions draw us out beyond where God intends for us to be. And we have to have those people. I'm so thankful to God for those people in my life that have tugged at my belt and said, Hey, just back up a little bit. Like I get it. I get it. You're excited. I know what you want to do. I know what you want to accomplish. I know what you, why this is important to you, but let, let's pull it back a little bit. Let's pull it back to the boundaries. Let's pull it back to where God wants us to be in this. But that only happens when we have our eyes on each other. That only happens when we have our eyes outside of ourselves. And so the last thing this morning, and then we'll be done. You know, we talk about bringing back the wanderer. And we know that the wanderer has only wandered off because they're looking for something. You know, maybe that's you this morning. I know that has been me in my life. And I'm just looking for something and I don't maybe I don't even know what it is, but I'm just searching. I'm wandering around, trying to roaming, being led by something, trying to figure out what I want. You know, and so ultimately as Christians, if we're thinking to ourselves, well, OK, well, I know those people and I know what I want to. You know that I'd like to, to kind of tug at their reins, tug at their belt and bring them back. So what are we offering them? What am I what am I giving to them? You know, especially in a community like ours where most people have had some type of church experience, they know what the church games all about. And so what I mean, there's no shortage of churches. I think we have the record for churches per square mile, you know, in this community. So there's no shortage of of options. Why what can we offer them that they don't already have? What can we offer them that they haven't already experienced? You know, and he says in that verse, he says that in verse 20, that you will save his soul from death. You know, and, and yeah, that death can absolutely mean spiritual, uh, physical death, but it's also a spiritual death that happens. You know, and, and for us as Christians, you know, we can, we can and should give food to the hungry. We can and should give water to those who are thirsty, because the Bible tells us to do that, to provide for physical means. And to give that, that physical healing is absolutely our calling, but salvation of the soul and the spiritual spiritual nourishment that we experience is our highest calling. Because the, the body is and will die physically. And our spirit, as we die, our spirit will, in a sense, either live or die. And that word death, and we've talked about this before, that word death. <laughs> simply means, in most contexts, a separation. You know, in James 1, verse 15, it says, Then your desire, when it is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This idea of wandering in regards to death made me think about someone walking around. Maybe they got dropped out of an airplane into a desert. Wandering around, trying to figure out where they're going, trying to figure out what they can do without nutrition without hydration without essentials for living you know there maybe you're here spiritually in that space just feeling spiritually malnourished spiritually dehydrated you know he tells us that in our active particip- participation that we can be a part of rescuing those who are wandering we can be a part of delivering those who are wandering we can be a part of protecting those who are wandering Proverbs 11 verse 30 says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and whoever captures souls is wise. Whoever captures souls, whoever is looking for those who are wandering. Proverbs 14 26 he says in the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. You know, so not only is that, is that external in our life, but he also says that, that for, for those that if we're feeding into our children's life, providing strong confidence from a parent's point of view, he says that we will be a refuge for our children, where our children won't have to wonder where to go, that they won't have to wonder where these things are, that they won't have to wonder where that fulfillment or that satisfaction or that purpose or value that they're searching for in life, but he says that it's through us being those seeking after the wonders, being that draw. that He says our children will have a refuge, that if we're capturing souls, we're wise, that that's what we're called to do. And so not only are we saving by intentionally seeking, but in verse 20, he tells us this, church, and we'll be wrapping up. In verse 20, he says that we offer this too. He says that it will... Cover a multitude of sins. And this idea of covering means to hide or to conceal or to cover up. Two other times in the Bible, it mentions this in the same way. Solomon mentions this in Proverbs ten twelve. He says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Love covers all offenses. First Peter 4, 8. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. In both places, in Proverbs, I mean, in the Old Testament, one of the only places here in Proverbs. And then in the New Testament, one of the many places. And when it mentions the word agape love. And we've mentioned that the word agape love is different than the other loves. Where this love is an intentional, purposeful type love. That it's a, that it's a concern and a care from, for someone and their well-being and what's happening to them. And so, if we think about what we offer as Christians, if we think about what we offer as Christians, we have to see this, this covering that he says that we get to actively participate in. Because ultimately, what what are we offering? What are we offering? You know, in a lot of ways, and and even me, there have been church mindsets where I thought, well, what I'm offering is entertainment. What I'm offering them is entertainment. That's going to be what brings people back. That's what's going to draw the wonderer back. But in reality, we can find entertainment a lot of different places, right? I can find entertainment on Netflix at my house. I can find entertainment at at the, uh, the Toyota Center in Houston. You know, I can find entertainment at the bar down the street. I can find entertainment. I don't need the church to give me entertainment. The people that are wandering around us don't need us to give them entertainment because entertainment will always have to be outdone. It'll always have to be the the next great thing. Whatever we can continue to shovel at them that is entertaining at that time because entertainment changes. So they don't need entertainment from us, church. You know, maybe they need community. You know, we think as a church, well, if I can just offer them community, then they'll feel like they fit in and they'll this and that, you know, which is great and should be a part of our ministry model. But ultimately, I can find community a lot of places, right? I can find community at work. I can find community at the country club. I can find community at, you know, when Fostos was here, that you could find community there. Uh, there's a big group of fellas that find community at McDonald's every single morning for breakfast. You may Maybe you have breakfast with those guys. I don't know, but, you know, the, the, you can find community a lot of places. The, the world, the wanderers around us do, do not need us to give them community. That is not the ultimate longing and desire of their soul. Is not community, because listen, community changes. People leave. People things situations change. Those things change. And so, what it, what are we truly offering? And then I'll end with this. I know I've said that three times, but I just want us to get this. What are we truly offering? It all goes back to the truth. We are offering the truth that does not change. That does not shift. And, and the beautiful thing about the truth is it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, the truth remains the same. And that truth is the gospel. That truth is Jesus. That truth is a covering of sins. That, that, that God takes the very sins that we've committed. And when that truth is laid in his hands, he says that he puts them as far as the east is from the west. He says he covers those sins. He puts those sins in the grave and he shovels dirt on top of those sins. Well, we can't see those sins anymore. Well, those sins don't have any effects on us anymore anymore where those sins do not define who I am anymore he says that is what we offer the wanderers church is we offer a covering that only God himself can give I can't give that I can't entertain them enough to convince them differently I can't offer enough community to convince them differently but I can offer them a covering of their sin and their shame and their guilt that only God can offer them and lay before them church that's what we give them and that's got to be at the essence of everything that we do That's why we are given the weapon of wielding this in their lives, of being a tangible reflection of God's grace. That we have the opportunity to lean into the lives of the wonder and to say, there is a covering that God has for you, an acceptance that God has for you that you will not find anywhere else because unlike entertainment, unlike community, unlike purpose and other things in the world, it does not change. And specifically, it does not change based off of how much you fail. Everlasting love, faithful to the end. He says that love, that it's a, this agape love, is the very essence of who God is. He says it never changes and it never fails. No other organization or religious system can give what we as Christians can truly give to people. That's what the people in our community need. Is they need. To know the truth about the gospel and God's grace. And they experience that through us. They experience that through us. You know, covering of love like nothing else for nothing. You know, when something is covered, it's out of sight, out of influence, buried, nailed to the cross, and pardoned. This word can also mean this covering is a pardoning that God has done. <laughs> You know what, in our lives we have not perfected and we will not perfect the things that James has laid out before us these last 19 weeks. We will not perfect it. But that doesn't keep us from progressing through our journey and continuing to seek after these things because like Paul would say in Philippians 3.12, he says that not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. I press on to make these things my own. Why? Why do I work? Why do I do? Why do I step into what God's got for me? Paul continues on and he tells us this. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I do this because he's already done this. I step because he's already stepped. I'm just following him. I'm making these things, these commands, these instructions. I'm walking in working faith because Christ has already made me his own. And that's what I do this from. That's why I step into this. So, church, to finish off, why does this matter? It's because each and every one of us has a place of leading that we will live in in our lives for the wanderers around us. Maybe that's your spouse. Maybe that's your kids. Definitely is your kids. They're wondering. They're trying to figure out life. They're trying to figure out where to go, what to do, what to think about these things. And we've got to be that get-back coach in their life, tugging them them at their belt. Come back. It's okay. You can be excited. You can be involved. You can be uh, passionate. Let's bring that back. Maybe it's your friends, your coworkers, those people in your life that need you to be intent in your focus, in your, 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 your expression of God's grace in your life. That our active faith is revealed in our tangible grace, a felt, received, given grace that we give to them. So this morning, I pray, maybe you're the wanderer this morning. I pray that you know that the Lord, like the, the nine, leaving the nine to nine, hunting for the one, is, is, is pursuing you. He is being your get-back coach this morning, and he's tugging at your, at your heart, saying, look, I've got something for you. Yes, you can still do the things, some of the things you do and, and, and be passionate about the things you're passionate about, but I've got so much more for you. You know, or maybe you have those people in your life who are wondering. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a friend or a coworker. I want to challenge you to be that tangible expression of grace in their life and begin to tug ever so slightly, maybe slowly, over time. Remember, it may be quick, it may be a long time. When you've wandered from home, it's a journey back. Be patient, be involved. And know that none of this we do on our own. The Lord does this hand in hand with us. So let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for the grace that you've shown me, Lord. And I pray because I understand that you have shown and given me that grace. Father God, that I would be that tangible expression of grace to those around me. God, that, that you allowed James to end this letter with a challenge for us. To bring back the wonder. God, maybe we're the wonder this morning. God, I pray for courage and strength to begin to step in. God, allow courage to be led back by you. And Father, I pray if we have those close to us or around us who are wondering. Within the context of a personal relationship, God, I pray that we would begin to tug at them. Pull at the reins. Begin to walk back with them. Or back to the truth back to the gospel, back to the benefits of knowing who you are and what you're doing and what you've done with us. God, the benefits of gospel revelation in our lives cannot be matched by anything else, not entertainment, not community, not gifts. God, only you and your truth. Father, let us see that. Let us hold that to the highest standard, Lord. And if we as a church body here in De Quincey can be known for anything, God, let us be known for that. Let us be a people acting out tangible grace to those around us. Maybe we don't agree. Maybe we don't approve. Father, let us have patience. God, let us be intentional. God, let us give of ourselves to those around us as a servant, as you've called us to be understanding we're broken and we are not the standard of goodness in this world but God you are Lord let us point people to you father we love you Lord we thank you and praise you in Jesus holy name amen church like every